From around the world, this is the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Once again, Decoder Ring Theater presents another page from the casebook of that master of mystery, that sultan of sleuthing, Martin Bracknell's immortal detective, Black Jack Justice, starring Christopher Mott as Jack and Andrea Lyons as Trixie Dixon, girl detective. The name's Hawthorne. Frederick Josiah Hawthorne. But only my mother calls me that. And only when she's angry, which is most of the time. My friends, they call me Fred. Or sometimes Freddy. Or sometimes Freddy the Finger. Or sometimes Tubby, which isn't really fair, because I'm mostly just big-boned. Mostly. The funny thing is, the law. On those occasions in which I am unable to avoid them, which happens from time to time, even to the best of us, but on those occasions, the law calls me Mr. Hawthorne. Which sounds awful nice. You gotta admit, even if they don't really mean anything by it. The strange thing is, sometimes you get more respect out of people that don't even like you. And you get the most out of people that don't know you at all. Or maybe that's just me. My point is that friends can be kind of a mixed blessing. Which is a fine way of saying they're a pain in the you-know-where, but you'd sure be sunk without them. Take my old pal Blackjack Justice. He's a detective, but it's okay, he's the private kind. They call him Blackjack on account of back before the war, when he was just starting out. He got sapped more often than any other guy in town. Every couple of days, somebody was mashing the back of old Jack's head in with something or other. Jack Justice, the concussion king we called him for a while, until somebody thought up a name that rhymed. When Jackie came back from the war, he was a whole lot tougher to sneak up on. A whole lot tougher in a lot of ways. But a good nickname is a hard thing to shake. And Jackie didn't try too hard on account of it being good for business once everybody had forgotten how he got it. Everybody, except good old Freddy. Jackie was the kind of guy who was always needing help with something. But he's no louse. He looks after his friends, and even if you have to do him a hundred little favors you'd probably rather not do, it's still good to have a guy in your corner when the chips are down and your back is against the wall. Yes, sir. A fella can always count on Jackie. Freddy, I'm telling you, you better get out of here. What is it, Jackie? What's wrong? That friend of yours, Costello. Irving? What about him? He stiffed us on his bill. Six weeks we've been chasing after that shifty little... But, Jackie, that ain't my fault, is it? You sent him here, didn't you? Well, sure, Blackjack. But I was just trying to help out a couple pals. He needed a hand and you needed a case. Who says? You always need a case. I shall ignore that remark for the moment. And for the record, Frederick, a paying case is always welcome. A paying case. Now, if I may direct your attention to our lovely front door, you're already familiar with its in-mode. Why not test drive the new out? Oh, Jackie, don't be like it's that. for your own good, Fred. You're just lucky the girl detective is taking the hound of the Baskervilles for his afternoon constitutional, or she'd sick him on you. Who? Mighty King, that's who. But King's just a little pup. Which would make it a particularly gruesome and lingering death, don't you think? Well, sure. Probably take hours. I suppose. Ruin his appetite, too. Well... Thanks for stopping by, Freddy. 
Jackie was just one of those guys who could never talk your way around, partly because he talked fast, and mostly because sometimes he didn't listen so good. But like all old friends, we knew each other's moves. And I had a trump card he could never beat. Freddy looked up at me with his big brown eyes that seemed to get even bigger. Big as dinner plates and dangerously moist with genuine simulated human feeling. His bottom lip quivered just a little bit and his whole body just seemed to slump ever so slightly. He looked like a big kid who'd been sent to bed without any dinner. It was absurd that he honestly seemed to think this was a tactic I couldn't see through at a hundred paces. We were friends and all, but he never wasted a lot of energy giving me any credit. The trouble was, if Freddy was simple-minded enough to think this routine was really clever, then I couldn't very well send him out into the world all on his own, could I? All right, cut the waterworks. I'm not made of stone. Aw, oh, boy, Jackie. I knew you wouldn't let me down. I have agreed to exactly nothing. I'm just not throwing you out of the office. Yet. I'll take it. I thought you might. You're a real pal. So what's on your mind? Well, I'll tell you. It's like this. I've become associated with an exciting new business venture. If you try to sell me encyclopedias, I'll scream for a cop. No, no, it's not like that. This business venture... Is it legitimate? Couldn't say, rightly. Freddy. Don't take that tone with me, Jack Justice. Sometimes it's better not to ask too many questions. Sure. But how do you know this is one of those times if you didn't ask any questions? I... Well, leaving aside for the moment the fact that this is an interesting point... Thank you. Suffice to say, I did not wish to appear rude, or worse, like maybe I was muscling in on more of the action than I am entitled to. It makes people nervous. Speaking of which, I'm making coffee. How did you come to know the very little that you know about this unique business opportunity? Through a friend of mine who you might recall, Leo Mink. I have a recollection of a smallish, weaselly face. That's Leo. I thought he went to try his luck in Boston. He did indeed. He called me just last week and let me in on a sweet deal. Leo was to have traveled to town carrying a package on behalf of an associate of his. He was to pass this to me, and I was to bring it to Red Wallace. The fence? Oh, is uh, that his line of work? Why didn't Leo go straight to Red? Leo's been in Boston three years. He didn't know who's still in business, who he can trust. So he calls you up and said, Find me a reliable fence who specializes in stolen jewels and has an upmarket clientele who can afford to pay top dollar. Something like that. In other words, you knew exactly what he was up to, and that makes you a full accomplice, so cut the tap dance. It'll get you no slack with a judge, and it's starting to bother me. Soy, Jackie. Milk and sugar? Yes, please. What was your end? What's that? On the caper, what was your end? Oh, ten percent. Of what? Of whatever we got for whatever it was. You promise me you're not still playing dumb? I promise, Jackie. I'm not playing at all. Now that I believe. Here's your coffee. Much obliged. What went wrong? Nothing. I just burned my tongue a little. Not with the coffee, with the caper. Oh. You said Mink was to have traveled to town. He didn't show? I haven't heard from him since uh, he left Boston. He was supposed to call me yesterday from his hotel. Which hotel? Uh, the Metrolite. Fair enough. You check there? The house dick, McKinney. He don't care much for me. That's only because he knows you, Freddy. That's what I said. Uh-oh. 
You. Hello, Miss Trixie. Don't you, Miss Trixie me, Junior. I might remind you, homicide is still technically illegal. Only if you get caught. Miss Trixie, it ain't my fault. What's not your fault? The constant parade of deadbeats you sent through this office? The three days I spent with Irving Costello during which his eyes never strayed above my neckline? Or perhaps you mean the six weeks I've spent chasing the mangy little rat for his lousy $145? I mean all of the above, Miss Trixie. I'm sorry, and I'll deal with it. And when you dealt with it to the tune of a hundred and forty five dollars you can stop by to say hello if you absolutely must now blow freddy came for our help tricks help who's gonna help us flat top the rent on this palace is due in three days we can stall we've been stalling last month's rent for 27 days now see so you need help do you pumpkin well you see yes or no hawthorne yes it's 35 dollars a day plus expenses well well i was thinking and from now on it's a week up front for everybody a week tricks don't start I was thinking maybe a percentage, like maybe ten. Ten percent of earnings. Percentage? Fifteen? This thing he's into. How illegal is it? I'm a little light on details, but I'm going to put it somewhere between mostly and very. For the moment, all he wants is the location of one Leo Mink, an old friend visiting from Boston. Right, Fred? Sure. Sure. It shouldn't take no time at all. You see... No, I don't see, and I don't want to see. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to hand me $35, old Square Jaw's going to find your friend without asking enough questions to earn the cell next door to you, and you are going to put me in the same room as Irving Costello. Yes? I only got about twenty-two fifty. Out. Take the 20 I'll hit the Metrolite. Does King want to go back out yet? Nah, he's already out cold. Fine. I'll be back in an hour. Now you two lovebirds play nice. I didn't mind a trip downtown. In fact... There was a lunch counter just around the corner from the hotel that made a bacon sandwich to make a grown man weep. The Metrolite had a pretty good lunch, too, but there was no expense account to pad on this one. Still, nice crisp bacon on a light rye with a big slice of tomato. That was more than enough motivation to get me across town, even if the general desire to be as far as possible from the dynamic duo of Freddy the Finger and the girl detective wasn't. And it was. Alf McKinney was the house dick at the Metrolite, and he was an old pal. It didn't take much more than a promise of lunch to get Leo Mink's room number. McKinney rode up with me and waited while I beat a cha-cha on the door of room 313. Kind of a heavy sleeper, you reckon? Couldn't say. Fella just checked in yesterday. Sure he's in here? No, but his key's not at the desk. I don't like this. Who's this Mink, then? Just a friend of a friend. Alf, you think you could... Come on, Jack. I could lose my job. Just a quick peek, Alf. If we're caught, you can fudge a noise complaint. Who complained about the noise? You want me to start? Oh, you brother. boy, Mr. Mink? Sir, you in? Oh. What? He's in all right, Jack. Take a look. Yeah, he's here, Alf. But he's already checked out. Is he... Uh... Yeah. This one's for the law, McKinney. Leo Mink is dead. You are listening to Blackjack Justice from DecoderRingTheater.com. The Blue Island Gentlemen's Club had to be the most ironically named establishment within the city limits. I wasn't any too sure just what criteria defined a gentleman these days, but I was pretty sure one had never even set foot in the waterfront neighborhood Freddy led me into, much less past the peeling paint of the once bright red door that admitted the Blue Island's patrons. A small painted sign hung on the door, with carefully blocked letters, probably courtesy of the same long-ago optimist responsible for the name. 
The sign read, A refined and genteel haven for the working businessman, free from the distractions of the weaker vessel. Underneath, a much more recent hand had added the clarifying amendment, No dames. Perfect. When a girl detective runs into a sign like that, she's got two options. Break the nose of the first clown that gives you lip is my preferred technique, but it's not foolproof. As a mountain of a man in a nail-fitting suit moved towards the doorway where Frederick the Valiant cowered just behind me, I sensed it might be time for Plan B. Hello, handsome. Where can a lady get a drink around here? Of course, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. I said it with soft doe eyes gazing up almost shyly. I said it with the careless innocence of a girl toying with taking her first major misstep. And I said it after watching him with my lips parted just so, like the approaching doorman was entirely made of chocolate. Plan B never makes a girl detective feel awful dignified, but it is amusing. And it works. All right, Freddy, where is he? I wish you'd let me come in here by myself. I'll bet you do. Where's Costello? Look, just have a seat, would you? I'll take a look around. A lot of deals get made here. Folks don't like being interrupted so much. Just... Just wait here. Wait here. Swell. Say, barkeep. What can I get you, fella? Do I look like a fella? Nope. So? Can you read? Yeah, I can read. And you saw the sign? I did. Then you must be a fella. You're rude. I like you. Thanks, buddy. The gag's gone cold, Peaches. Fair enough. What's your pleasure? Hmm, see how smoothly he changes gears. Why, you must be the new DeSoto everyone's talking about. Is it too early for a scotch and water? What if it is? Make me one anyway. And put the water in a separate glass. And then throw it away. One very dry scotch and a water coming up. You want ice? Nah, I'd hate to use a third glass. You waiting for somebody? What makes you say that? Well, I don't think you're here with Freddy. Don't be jealous, darling. He means nothing to me. You drink? Thanks. You know Freddy? Everybody knows Freddy. I won't hold that against you, but only because you have access to large amounts of booze. That's tough but fair. You looking for somebody? You mean aside from a heroic young bartender? I'm no hero. Don't sell yourself short, kitten. The night's still young. It's 3.15. What are you? The speaking clock? You got a funny way about you, you know that? I get that a lot. Say, if you know the regulars here at Club Trey Wee, you must know Irving Costello. Short guy, no chin? Sure, I know Irving, but you won't find him here. Hasn't been by? Not for six months. He and the owner had a falling out. Boss told Irving if he set foot in here again, he'd fill him full of lead. Six months? Who knew about this? Everybody. Even Freddy? Well, Miss Trixie. Oh, hello, Chet. Miss Trixie, I can't understand it. I was sure Irving be in here. He just said yesterday that he'd be by. Maybe we should get a booth and, and wait for him till it's time to meet Jack. All right, bust our hands in the air. Miss Trixie! If you really have to shoot him, can you do it outside? Take it easy, everybody. I'm a private detective making a citizen's arrest. Let's go, Freddy. And you? Chet? Hmm? I may need to interview witnesses. Write your telephone number on one of these cocktail napkins. I mentioned that Alf McKinney was a pal, but you never know how good your friends are till you discover a corpse together. Alf had three questions. Do you know who did this? Do you know why? And could you come up with something like an answer if you weren't here when the law arrives? The best I could do was two nopes and a maybe. But Alf just arched an eyebrow and told me to keep an eye on things while he went down to the lobby to tell management. The look on his face suggested I should try hard to be somewhere else by the time they got back. Mink had been strangled, but not garroted, so he hadn't been surprised in his room. He'd opened the door and let his killer in. So it was someone he knew. That narrowed it down. The killer had tossed the room, but good. Looking for something. And my money said he hadn't found it. 
If you're tossing a room with a fresh corpse in it, you spend as little time engaged in this activity as possible. Which means if you find what you want, you stop looking and make tracks. But the killer had finished the job, every nook, every cranny. Which means either the object of his desire was in the absolute last possible place, or he didn't find it. So the killer not only knew Mink, but he knew he was in town, and he knew he was carrying something valuable. I was about to go when I spotted a crumpled piece of paper near the bedside table. It was an envelope, empty and unsealed, but addressed and ready for delivery to one F. Hawthorne. It occurred to me we didn't need to narrow things down quite that far, and I slipped the envelope into my pocket. There was only one guy who had any answers for me now, if only he'd asked the questions. There you are. Where have you been? I missed you too, sweetheart. Don't say things like that. It gives me the willies. Things just got complicated. I'll say they did. Tell them. Me? There's no one else in the room. Uh, hi, Jackie. Did you find Mink? Ow! Guess where Irving Costello is. I couldn't... Niagara Falls. Scenic, but I'm not sure how it relates. He had to go out of town to be with his sick mother. But his last thoughts were of us. He gave the $145 he owed us to someone he trusted to settle his account. Who could be... Ah, oh, Freddy! Sorry, Jackie. I had a sure thing. A sure thing? I was sure it was sure. Frederick, I am very disappointed in you. Not surprised, just disappointed. Aw, oh, don't talk to me like that, Jackie. I'd have made it square somehow after the job with Mink goes through. Mink's dead. What? Huh. I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Dead? Well... Since I'm not sure which question you're playing with at the moment, allow me to answer them all in one go. In his hotel room, strangled sometime yesterday by the look of him. Let's cut to the chase on this caper, shall we? Got any particularly compelling reason why you shouldn't be the beginning, middle, and end of the suspect list? Me? Jackie, why would I bring you in if I croaked a guy? And strangled? I could never strangle a guy. Look at me. I'm a marshmallow. That might wash with us, but not the cops. Cops? Who said anything about cops? Blackjack, please. Stop it. You've done nothing but dance around me since the moment you walked into this office. If I hadn't lifted this from the wreckage of Mink's hotel room, you'd be having tea and cookies with Lieutenant Sabian. That, that's got my name on it. And my address. You don't miss a trick. But that means whoever killed Mink knows about me and where I live. I thought of that. I stopped by the house and took Alice to her sister's, just to be on the safe side. Thanks, Jackie. Your pal. Mink got it yesterday? I didn't stick for the M.E.'s report, but that's how it figures. Means if the killer wanted to go after Freddy, he'd have done it already. Right. Which means... That I'm safe? Or that someone's been tailing you since yesterday. What? Right. They want what Mink had, and they're waiting to see if Freddy already has it. What did Mink have? Freddy? I swear, Jackie, I don't know. Mink called me from Boston. Wanted to know if Johnny English was still in business. The jewel fence? He's in the pen, isn't he? Last I heard. So I said English wasn't currently available, but that I might know a guy on the same line. Red Wallace? See how good she is? Did Red know about this? I might have tipped him off that there was some out-of-town business on its way, but he didn't know nothing about Mink. Did anyone know? Think, Freddy. Jackie, I don't have to think. I haven't avoided the hospitality of the state this long by shooting my mouth off. I swear, the first person I told was you. What do you think? I think we're in trouble. Why would Mink come all the way from Boston to move some hot rocks? Sounds like they're too hot for Boston. Sure, but why? What's the one thing a fence won't touch? Something he knows he can't sell. 
Why? Because he's afraid of something. There's only two things a crook is afraid of: the law, and a crook bigger and meaner than he is. Mick must have pulled a double cross. The jewels were supposed to go to somebody a lot worse than him, and nobody in Beantown wanted anything to do with it. So he comes running home. Let's make a couple of big assumptions. Let's assume Mink was killed by someone who followed him from Boston, somebody in the syndicates, somebody he was supposed to be working for. Oh boy! They're sure Mink still has the goods, but he won't talk. So they make an example of him and toss the room. And find nothing but an empty envelope with Freddie's name on it. Oh boy! Which might mean something and might not. So they follow him to see what happens, but sooner or later they're going to run out of patience and put the question in person. And you got no answers for them, Frederick. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Jack. Yeah. Was that envelope crumpled like that when you found it? Sure. Why? Well, you'd have to smooth it out a little if you opened it. Trust me, Trix. It's. Well, I'll be. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. What is it? A pawn ticket for an overcoat. Not too far from the train station. Jackie, I ain't worried about an overcoat. I'm worried about the concrete galoshes that come with it. Think, Freddie. Okay. Why would Mink get off the train from Boston and immediately pawn his overcoat? I don't know. The weather's pretty nice. Freddie. Oh, oh, I, I get you. The stones is in the overcoat. Very good. So all I gotta do is pick up the coat, find the goods, and take them to Red Wallace myself. And if Mink's killers are watching you, I'm sure they'll just stand idly by while you do this. Oh yeah. Well, maybe you could. Oh、uh... no, there is a limit to what we do for a fee. Besides, you've been with us all day. They'll be watching us as close as you. And I like to avoid mob vengeance whenever possible. So what do we do? We cheat. That's what we do. Yeah, operator, give me the Metro Light Hotel. Tricks, go see if that kid with the shine box is still downstairs. Yeah, Alf McKinney, please. And so it went. Jack put the pawn ticket in a fresh envelope and sent it with the shoe shine boy to McKinney at the Metro Light. He made like he just discovered it in the late Mr. Mink's room and turned it into the cops, who claimed the coat and recovered fifty thousand dollars worth of stolen rubies sewn in the lining. It didn't solve the murder outright, but it provided a motive and a list of suspects. And Sabian could thrash that out with the Boston PD as best he could. Should keep him out of my hair for a while, anyway. No fooling. Well, that's great news, Alf. You're a real pal. What's that? Ah,、oh, cut it out! You'd have made out just fine by yourself if I hadn't borrowed the evidence. Yeah, and sorry about that, by the way. And I still owe you lunch. All right, take care. Well, the jewels are on their way back to Boston. Oh, Jackie, Jackie, how could you do this to me? Keep you out of jail and alive? Yeah. Reckon Freddie's in the clear? With the law and the killers, yes. With Alice, I couldn't say. You know how his sister gets on her nerves. This is awful. I didn't make a dime. Now you know how it feels. Actually, you're both wrong. Turns out there was a reward for those rocks, and they're keen to give it to McKinney. Now he's a fair-minded man and has elected to split it with us. Split it? How much? Four hundred. Makes our end two. That ain't good. But it ain't that bad, I guess. Hold on, Puddin'. There's still the matter of Irving Costello's hundred and forty-five dollars. And the thirty-five for today. I gave you a twenty. Which I gave to the shine boy. Expenses. What? Which makes your end twenty dollars. What? Looks like you broke even, short pants. Well, there's a first time for everything. Like I said, friends is friends, and sometimes that's all you can say about them. Mixed blessing they is. 
They really is. Blackjack Justice, episode 18, Mixed Blessings, was written and directed by Greg Taylor and starred Christopher Mott and Andrea Lyons with additional voices provided by M. John Kennedy, Peter Nickel, and Greg Taylor. This recording and the story, characters, and situations depicted within are the property of their author and creator and protected by copyright. Until next time, remember, DecoderRingTheater.com is your address to adventure. Apparently, you enjoy listening to audio dramas, since you're hearing this message. I'll keep it short so you can get back to the fun stuff. If you would like to see and experience how all these stories, voices, sound effects, and music come together to create theater of the mind, make plans to visit the Modern Audio Drama Convention in Halifax, Nova Scotia, July 24th through 26th, 2020. Meet the creators. Find out how to write, record, mix, sweeten, and produce movies that play in your head. See what the voices you hear actually look like. We never look like we sound. For all the details, visit madcon.com. That's M-A-D, as in modern audio drama, then dash, as in dash on over, then con, as in convention, duh, then dot, as in it'll be the most fun you've had in a while, period, then com, as in come on over, we'll love to see you. Madcon, your ears and brain will thank you.